0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the look It All podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com, photo, video, digital media production. Today we are discussing the 2020 thriller film Alone. Alone is a 2020 American thriller film directed by John Himes, the guy known for bringing a couple episodes of NYPD Blue, Chicago PD, ED, MED, all the DDs. Um, it's like, He's a television director that has made some serialized television, a couple shorts, a couple documentaries. He's kind of gone all over the place. And Matthias Olsen, I believe, is the writer who I believe is actually... A percussionist if this is the same person i couldn't find any other information on them except for they were probably uh this person was probably uh, uh into uh as a, like a composer or like he was a, a musical artist um the film stars jules wilcox as uh, a young woman who tries to escape a homicidal stalker played by mark minshaka in the wilderness it was released in the U.S. Uh, September eighteenth, 2020, uh, by Magnet Releasing. Uh, Jessica. Okay, so let me uh, talk about a little bit of the backstory before kind of going into it. This has got the music by Nima F- uh, Farqua And uh, the cinematography is by Federico uh, Ver- Verardini, edited by Scott Roon and John Himes. It was... Um, I believe the distribution uh, was a little bit interesting on this. I think it was released worldwide or on the, in the States, at least in theaters and on demand because of the COVID protocols. Um, in 173 theaters, it only grossed slightly less than 200 grand. It was the most rented film on Google play and fourth on fantastic, sorry, uh, on Fandango now and ninth on Apple TV. Um, so eventually, I think most people have a pretty decent um, reviews on it. So let me see. Rotten Tomatoes says the film holds an approval rating of ninety five with fifty five reviews, average at about seven out of ten. Um, so yeah, I got to say that there is a number of things about this movie that there was a reason that I was watching it. Um, I'm like 90 percent sure that this the production of this was happening all throughout the uh the pandemic this movie feels like it was made during the pandemic even though um you know it's a limited amount of people and there's uh only a couple of locations there's a handful of locations but they're all uh not that heavily populated in, in a way so what about this movie? Why are we talking about it today? Why, why even bring it up? Um, well, I did want to kind of get my thoughts out of the movie. Basically, it's a fun, it's a fun thriller film. I think for the majority of the time, a uh, little bit predictable here and there, um, with regards of how it's probably going to end. A little bit contrived, as well on some of the story elements that just kind of make things convenient of, you know, these two people always bumping into each other. It's like, all right. Um, But overall, it's a fun little thriller film. I think it's only PG-13. I don't have the actual, um, I think it is a PG-13 because it doesn't feel too violent in a way. It is kind of, uh, uh, you know, difficult to watch in some places just with the, you know, the violence against this, this woman. But um, overall, I thought it was a, a nice little romp, to say the least. Okay, so let me discuss. Uh, I will say casting. I think the writing, um, the writing's okay. It's not perfect. It, it it gets the job done, is what it does. It feels like it's probably belongs on a straight to streaming movie. I would not had. Uh, I would not feel like this is necessary to watch. ...on the big screen. Um, A couple things that happened toward the third act... ...that make this a little bit less uh, favorable... ...as a piece of good writing. But other than that, um, I will say... ...it's a fun romp. It's it's one of those... um, ...it's one of those movies that you kind of want to... ...watch with like a small group of people... uh, ...and maybe have a couple drinks... And take it easy and really just kind of kick it. And it, it's that kind of romp. Um, and, and romp, it's that kind of film. it I, I find that you'll probably have a better time watching this with somebody because of the ridiculousness, you know. Oh, don't go downstairs. Oh, don't go do this. Don't go do that. You know, it's uh, you know, all those things and emotions that you feel when you're watching a thriller film. It's got all of those, so um. Before hopping into the spoiler section, I probably would recommend this movie. I wouldn't go into too much detail about it. It is it does follow the same sort of cliches of a lot of these like stalkerish um, you know, being run off the road by a crazy dude um tropes it it does kind of go through that you know somehow he slashes a tire it's, i don't think that's a, a spoiler or anything like that I, I feel like in every slasher movie there's always or some homicidal dudes always trying to slash the tires and somehow he does um but anyways uh this movie kind of follows that same path I was entertained. I wasn't like floored by it. I don't know if I give it 95%, but I would say, yeah, I, I technically do fall on the 95% for saying that it. I would recommend it as a piece of entertainment. Not that it's like fundamental to uh, too much of uh, watching these movies like this isn't going to make my top. 10 of 2020 or anything like that it definitely didn't make that but i enjoyed it than a couple of the other movies that i watched in 2020 i enjoyed it more than like mank i thought mank was a little bit too pretentious for me and a way that uh i just need a little bit more fun i i know these are apples and oranges kind of comparing the two but just saying that i enjoyed this kind of schlocky b-action thriller film more than i did a couple of the more quote-unquote higher class films that came out in uh in 2020 so yes i overall would recommend it with some small caveats that it's not perfect it's mostly entertaining and you know the writing's not you know it's it's not shakespeare or anything like that but it's a lot of fun so um let's hop into the patreon section where we are going to discuss the plot of this movie and kind of some more ins and outs um of the film of what we we're thinking about it Okay so thank you for stopping by listening watching Look It Up podcast however you support if you're on YouTube please follow subscribe do what you need to do Uh, thumbs up, double thumbs up if you can. Um, If you got like double accounts, you got double thumbs up, you already know. And so, uh, yeah, I I would appreciate any way that you can support the Lucky Dog podcast. We're on let me just say, we're on SoundCloud, Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, Patreon. Um, If you want to support us and get the podcast early like everyone that's on Patreon is getting this uh, podcast early. And we are going to have a lower tier that is going to allow people to have access to um the podcast early just for anybody that wants to support the podcast and listen early this is all going to be for you so um yes thank you for listening supporting luck at all podcast, however you can support Um, five stars on iTunes, Um, do the ratings, do the shares, show your show your grandmother, oh, this guy knows his stuff, you know, he's talking about that new thriller alone, 2020, you know, it's it's a new John Himes joint, (laughs) so um, do what you need to do, and Oh yeah, if you have not watched this uh, movie, we are going to discuss this in spoilers. This is the spoiler section, the Patreon section, all the above. So here we go with the plot of Alone, and thank you all for watching, listening to Lugadol Podcast if you are a non-Patreon supporter. Thank you. Take it easy. So let's start the plot. Okay, so Jessica, a recent widow is moving. She comes into contact with a mysterious man who she kept encountering on the highway at a gas station, a motel she slept in uh, at a rest area, and then ultimately when she crashes her car due to the trailer's tire being slashed." Um, so with all of this happening, there's not tons of dialogue. The, there's a lot of just showing, not telling, and you don't really need to tell that much after what's happening in this. I mean. With the way that the camera is comfortable just kind of following this woman and we're just seeing what's happening, I enjoyed the way that this was kind of alluring us into the world of being quote-unquote alone. Uh, again, talking about this in a way that I'm like 90% sure that this movie was created during uh, COVID because half the time... Um, everybody is at least 20 feet away from someone else. I mean, there's only three main characters in the entire movie. And so the two main characters, Jules and uh, Jules and Mark, really don't have to be very close except for a handful of scenes. And so um, with saying that, the uh, the proximity of these characters were were pretty far away to be honest you know like half the time when Mark menchado whatever his name is what is it He's just his he's, mark menchado doesn't even have a name his name's man um so when the man is near nearby almost half the time the window is like covering her face she's like well you know what can I help you with you know and so it feels very much like they had to shoot this during um, COVID. I'm trying to see if I can find anything that says when they started uh, in January 2021. Sorry, commentary. Oh, so, okay, so in January 2021, director John Himes recorded a full-length audio commentary for the film uh, for the Rogue Commentary Podcast. Rogue Commentary Podcast. Hmm. That's pretty interesting. That's, uh, let me see. So this movie is a remake of writer Matt, Mattis Olsen's and producer Hendrik J Atkinson's 2011 Swedish film Forvinson. Okay, so um, let me see if there's anything else. I wanted to see when this started filming. Like I couldn't find anything that said. Huh. I don't know. So, anyways, let's let's continue as. I'm going to assume this was a COVID movie that they shot it probably pretty pretty soon, right after COVID had start, started, and that's why it just feels like kind of a run-and-gun kind of uh, movie, which I kind of like it in a way. It kind of makes them have to be a little bit more uh, creative with how it's going on um on the production side. But uh, then again, it's just like annoying as hell just to see like one character on screen the entire time. And just knowing that we can't have large groups is just really frustrating in some opinion, um, in, in some people's opinion. um, Honestly, I could definitely see it in, 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 uh, in mine. Uh, my point of view, just like, I'm tired of having to watch COVID related things on screen. I'm ready for things to, you know, go back to normal like everyone else. So yeah anyways, uh Mark Minshatta is a crazy ass dude. He immediately is just like fucking weird and there's so many different con- contrivances that are just showing that he's fucking uh just an unstable ass and all the way to the point of like uh, like we said in the thing. Uh she keeps in- encountering him on the highway. He's like harassing her on the on the road and then follows her to the rest stop and then all of a sudden she's like her her tires slashed after he tries to like walk up on her and um you know he was asking for help he, he did the ted bundy thing of like putting his arm in like a sling to make it look like he needed help it's just like oh my gosh this dude is an absolute creep and uh i could definitely see how this would be uh, just traumatizing honestly But anyways, um, after he basically causes her car to crash because of the slash tire, he breaks the car window, gets into the car, and then drugs her. I was like, this was not something I honestly saw coming. I saw her probably trying to escape and maybe get in the woods, but I did not see this guy going as far as just, like, straight-up drugging this lady. I was just like, this is insane. So then he takes her to his cabin where he locks her in the basement. I was like so for the the predictable angle of this this is not where i saw this going i was like i thought this was going to be kind of like a cat and mouse chase kind of game or movie at, at, at the beginning and then all of a sudden it turned into like oh my gosh this is going to be a little uh, uh this is going to be some torture or something like that i was like I, i'm just not mentally ready for any of this type of stuff and it is dark when, while she's down there but it doesn't get as dark as it probably could have got I mean he was kind of going into a little more like sexual assault kind of range but then it never quite hit that tinge it kind of it did stay in the PG13 range um from what I could tell. Jessica wakes up and begs him to let him uh, begs him to let him go let her go. But she uses uh, but he uses her tablet which has videos of her and her husband and forces Jessica to tell him what happened to him revealing that her husband killed himself with a gun um this entire scene I felt was just very strange in a way I understand that this is this is supposed to be some sort of reckoning or for like the metaphors of like dealing with grief in a way and this man is supposed to be kind of like almost i don't like grief personified i guess i'm not exactly sure what 100 is going on or happening um but he just has this like recent obsession with how her husband killed himself um and i wasn't exactly feeling like he's getting he's almost getting off to how like he's um you know, making her—he's emotionally abusing her with talking about her husband and stuff like that. But it's just like this dude has this weird proclivity about just kind of getting under this lady's skin and you know just digging at this festering wound that is her dead husband. Um, the new—the uh, next morning, she hears the man leaving and notices that the key is still on the keyhole on the other side. Uh, she slides her sweater underneath the door and uses a nail that she finds to push the key out. Once she gets the key, she sneaks upstairs and hides in the closet when the man suddenly comes back. So there's a lot of movies where the captor is getting ready to leave the cap D's or sorry, the Cap D is being captured by the Captor and normally in this situation the Cap D the person being kidnapped is able to get a certain amount of distance without being caught and then eventually they're they're caught in some sort of way. This was used so that she could have like some sort of leverage over him to understand that this guy actually has a family, he's not just some random dude killing women in uh in this cabin. I'm it, what I'm guessing is there's other women that have been killed in this way, but based off the things he's saying and the place he's done it seems that like he's done this before in a way but he is somewhat sloppy especially leaving the key and stuff like that um she overhears him speaking to his wife and kids on the phone lying about where he's telling them where he'll be back in a few days once he goes downstairs to the cellar she runs outside the man realizes that the man realizes what has happened and he and a chase ensues. So this whole like 20 minutes of her like, being stuck in the cellar was something I just was not, and I was not mentally ready for. I was just like, I thought this was going to be cat and mouse. And then it came back to cat and mouse. And so when she leaves this cabin again, when she kind of gets the upper hand to not be under his thumb in his own cabin, in his own place or sanctuary or whatever you want to call it, um, that, uh, the chase ensues. She enters her foot and the chase ends up, ends up in them both facing off in the river where she ultimately jumps in to escape. I don't even know why she was, uh, hesitating. I mean, if there was a, a, a roaring rapids or a kidnapper coming to put you in a cellar again, it's like, you better jump in that rapids twice. Um, I just, I couldn't even believe that she was... Uh, waiting, waiting for that long. So, something I did see that she actually broke her foot. I wonder exactly where. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Actress Jules Wilcox broke her foot while shooting one of the first action scenes of the movie, where she's decided to finish the suit in a boot with the help of her stunt double, Michelle Dames. Um, some scenes had to be finished a few months later when Jules was fully healed. Wow. So, that's pretty painful from what. Sounds like... Okay, and the name of the kidnapper is Sam. Um, I don't know why, that's not la- why he's not labeled that in the thing. And this is rated R, I guess. I, so. um, I guess because of the stabbings and whatever else. Let me see what else we got. All right, so... Back to the action. Okay, so she jumps in the river to escape. She is injured wet and cold when she comes up upon a name man named a man named robert who is out hunting immediately as she ran into this guy robert i was like robert is dead on the spot you are dead as a doornail i've never seen a character so dead in a in a movie i think that i just called out immediately so I mean, how many times have we seen kidnappings in movies, and there's a nice guy that comes to help our, our, our you know, our protagonist, and that nice guy or girl or couple or old—it's usually an older person—that makes us instantly endear to them. Um, no good deed goes unpunished, kind of thing. It's just like they are instantly dead. The one that kind of—I think Terminator might have a big, uh, a big play on it, like having old old people or older uh like an older couple help somebody and then they always get shot or something happens something terrible happens to them and so um yeah absolutely what happens to robert so He helps her out with this car and offers her some food, water, and his wife's hiking boots as she is barefoot. So when she is offered all these good things, I'm like, this dude is dead, dead, dead. And he's talking about, like, homemade goodness. I was like, anybody talking about this shit is so dead. This is the equivalent of a sheriff saying it's his very last trip or his last day. It's like you do not ever want to say that. That means you're done by movie rules. So, as they are driving along... Okay, yeah, and she's barefoot. So, I do know that this movie went viral, I believe, for a few scenes on TikTok, which is actually why I ended up watching it. I didn't actually see the TikToks. I heard about them. Um, This stick that she gets in her foot, um, I was like, I was like, God, that fucking looks like it hurts like a beach. Um, But, honestly, I've seen worse. I don't know if I'm just kind of desensitized to some of these... um, uh, penetrations in the skin that it's just like, it would have to absolutely hurt so fucking bad that there's no amount of pain that they can show or describe that would really, uh, put your head in it. But I don't know. I thought after she got her foot stabbed, her fucking foot was going to get gangrene or some shit like that. Like she was all over the fucking place. Um, walking with a bare foot and a stick in the foot. I was like, God this is it, it's fucked her foot is fucked maybe her whole leg I don't know um as they are driving along they come uh, to a stop where a tree has fallen uh blocking up the road as they get out of the car the man turns up pretending to be on the phone saying that he has managed to find her i immediately knew that he cut this fucking tree down i was like this is too easy um and the man turns up uh the man makes up a story about Jessica, telling Robert that he uh, that she is his sister and her husband killed himself, that has caused her to have her episodes. Um, it's kind of interesting that this guy is, like, trying to uh, manipulate Robert. But Robert is taking the least amount of time to, like, do any proving, to do anything. He's just like, what, what, what? He's kind of befuddled. Now, don't get me wrong. Robert's probably trying to do his best. Not saying that he's not. But there was a couple times I was like, this dude's so fucking stupid. I was like, she clearly said this, this lunatic is kind of a master manipulator in a way and he's not exactly a master manipulator because I think he's really playing his cards you know too wide he almost plays as if he knows her like really deeply and and I just don't feel like there's a couple scenes that are missing from this care from this kidnapper character that would really sell me to understand that he is obsessed with this girl Robert is conflicted as he doesn't know who to believe. Jessica tells the man to ask for his phone so that he can call the police, which is an excellent idea. When Robert does this, a scuffle takes place, and the man punches Robert in the face multiple times, then kills him with Robert's rifle. Um, yeah, it was just bound to happen. I was like, there's no way this guy's going to fucking live. So the chase continues. The man now armed with uh, Robert's hunting rifle. Jessica runs away and hides in a cave at at night to get out of the rain. But then the man spots her using his flashlight and shoots her in the shoulder, which I don't even know how she's okay after this. Like if you got shot with a rifle, I'm just not sure about that. She scrambles away and hides in a small pond. Then he sets the rifle on the ground and tells Jessica she has one minute to come get the gun. When she does, uh, which she does not do um he's trying to like antagonize her with all of this and i'm just like i don't think you understand that she's not an idiot or that like half the people watching this are not idiots like you are and it's just like the antagonizing nature of it just does not feel it feels so alpha. It feels like something that was written in the eighties. That it's like, oh, you're gonna call me chicken, all oh, that's it. You know, it's like that kind of ridiculousness that would, you know, you you got to put all your morals to the side. You got to put all your safety to the side that you're gonna go after the shit. It's just like none of this scene of him yelling at her saying you're you know you're a weak person because your husband was an ass and he wanted to kill himself you know it's just like trying to use the suicide angle i can see that working and another to another character not to this lady i didn't understand what the fuck was the meaning of all this at all just ridiculous i i this was the part where i don't understand why this got such high ratings once it hit this part because I didn't see that she was struggling with her husband to the point where she was going to just, like, beat the fuck out of this random guy that's trying to kill her. Like, it, she's not, like, raging with anger like I think that he thinks she is. I'm just very confused about what what was the go-to on this. I I feel like they need to do a slight rewrite to kind of make— this guy really get under her skin because it's not like that's really what happened at all i mean she's like uh no i'm not gonna fucking get out and get shot by your ass like i'm not an idiot so anyways the man tries to go her into coming out by talking about her husband's suicide and how she should have uh avoided it the man finally gives up and picks up the rifle and leaves leaves The next day, while the man is disposing of Robert's body, Jessica sneaks up and climbs into her car while looking for the keys. She finds the man's phone in the center console. She takes it and climbs in the trunk as the man returns to the vehicle. I did not think that any of this was very believable to the point of saying, why the hell would she ever get 500 yards within this dude's uh, fucking uh, car or person's again? I cannot believe that she would ever do that um so this is where it's kind of a little movie magic oh she's found the she's found the cell now she's gonna fight back it's like yes with a cell phone man but it's like i would have believed that she would have jumped in the car if there was a, a weapon a real weapon not just like a crowbar or something like that or even a phone i don't feel like a phone is enough to be honest um, while the man is driving, Jessica dials 911 and tries to whisper to the operator what happened to her and trace the call. Worst 911 call operator ever i'm sorry there this is one of the worst i've ever seen she's like what what are you saying i can't hear you turn it up turn up turn up the volume the the, the operator's like turn up the volume i can't hear you yeah she doesn't actually say that but she's like complaining about not being able to hear somebody being kidnapped i'm like oh my gosh you need to shut the fuck up like just just do your job it was driving me nuts so anyway as the man is driving he begins to look at his phone Stopping the car. Look for his phone. Stopping the car. Hearing a noise from the back of the car, he realizes that she is there. Armed with a tire iron, Jessica leaps from the backseat and attacks the man. I would not immediately expect that someone was in the very backseat of the car. Like, how the fuck would you even think anyone got in there? I mean, doesn't everybody try to, like, lock their shit? I don't know. Um, anyways. Uh, Jessica uh, leaps from the backseat and attacks the man, striking him m- multiple times in the head. Um, the man starts driving and uses his hunting knife to try to attack Jessica, but she manages to wrestle the knife from him and stabs him in the arm. Yeah, that would really fucking hurt. The man loses control of the vehicle on the winding road and crashes the car, causing it to flip over. Uh, dazed, Jessica climbs out of the spot, climbs out and spots a search and rescue helicopter. Flying low looking for her. She runs after it into a clearing, still with the man's phone. I will say that there's these many shots of her kind of looking into these trees. It reminds me of the shots that they have in Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson just in the the forest. I like the cinematography with this. I, I, I kind of like the silence in a way that is a little bit different. I guess it's kind of like the quote-unquote being alone. Um, so, yeah. Um... She runs after it into the clearing, the helicopter, still with the man's phone. She uses it to call the man's wife. She asks the wife if she knows where he is, but reveals that is a lie, that he is trying to kill her, and that he has murdered Robert. Uh, The wife is frantically asking to speak with the man. The man follows Jessica into the clearing. Jessica puts the phone on the speaker and taunts the man with it and throws it behind him. In one final showdown, Jessica armed with the tire iron and the man armed with the hunting knife run at each other, Avenger style. (laughs) After a struggle, Jessica stabs the man and watches him smiling as he dies. She rolls away, and as she lies exhausted, the helicopter descends from above. So I do got to say a couple things in this final act of uh, the man versus Jessica, or Sam, the man, versus Jessica. So um, there's supposed to be this big revelation of Jessica, you know, here's your wife. It's just like, uh, this guy's trying to kill you. I don't think he gives a shit about what his wife thinks at this moment. Like... This guy probably has different priorities. I what this felt like was kind of a lifetime twist on the end of this movie in a way that she was like, "You know what? You tried to kidnap me, but you know what's going to hurt you more than that car wreck and the knife in your arm is me calling your wife." It's just like, "What?" I I was trying to think for a few minutes. I was like, "Ah." I mean, he did the right thing by just like, you know, cutting off the phone immediately. But I just felt like there was supposed to be like this emotional resonance of like her finally getting to get at this guy. And the way that she gets at him is by telling his wife, him that is telling his wife. I didn't feel like... Like, you know what they say is you got to hit him where it hurts. You got to hit him in the heart. I didn't feel like his heart was where his wife was and his kid was, unfortunately. I think the where his his allegiance lies was probably where the uh, the cabin was, you know? Like, were probably all of the quote-unquote, you know, the fun he was trying to have at his cabin. Were, that sounds more or less where his allegiance would lie. I would not necessarily say that him being on the phone with his wife was the one all be all final punch final straw i just that was a couple that, that alongside the writing of him trying to taunt her with uh, the suicide of her husband like it's an extremely uncomfortable scene when he's like on top of her laying on top of her in the basement of that cabin extremely um uh just just it 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 was the proximity made everything super uncomfortable. This dude has basically mustache all over her cheeks. just made me fucking like shiver in my boots. And I was just like, I don't know the the friction the the main problem i'm getting from this movie is that these two characters have kind of different drives and their motivations affecting each other just don't really make sense in the same way that i think uh that they are trying to emotionally make it emotionally resonate with i just didn't feel like this movie was uh serving these characters that way and that it really made a hundred percent sense that they are like these are the actions that would make the most sense at the time. It's like I the the movies when it comes to you know uh, a slasher coming after them or you know a thriller where there's somebody coming after our protagonist, it's like when they're making smart decisions when they're trying to escape, when they're making smart decisions when trying to hit him in the heart, where it hurts, that kind of thing. normally it happens at this point, but it's just like this does not feel like an emotional, uh, gut punch for this guy i mean he's just like wait what you talking about what it's just it's like i don't know like the wife is probably going to defend this guy even though he's dead it's just like i don't <laughs> i i i can't really uh explain it at this point but yeah anyways that is the 2020 uh american thriller film alone directed by john himes i Watch this on Hulu, which you should be able to watch there, too. Probably can rent it on other platforms as well, depending on when you're watching this. Um, it may or may not still be on Hulu. But, yeah, so check it out. I'd give it – I th- what did I give this? I'd, I think I gave this – okay, so it's averaged out at 6 out of 10 on IMDb. I think I would give this a solid 7 out of 10. It's uh, For me, it's kind of worth the time. Um, Mostly just because it was entertaining as hell. Um, can't really complain about it from that standpoint. So, yeah, we'll give it a nice 7 out of 10. And from there on, um, i got to thank everyone for joining the Lucky Doll podcast today. Thank However you're supporting, watching Lucky Doll podcast, any new supporters on Twitch, SoundCloud, YouTube, thank you for following, listening, Lucky Doll podcast, however you're supporting. I cannot thank you enough just released The Sound of Metal. Um, Amazing. Um, It's actually a 2019 film, but it wasn't released until 2020, so it's kind of weird. But anyways, it's on SoundCloud and YouTube, full reviews. Um, You'll be able to listen to it there. I have uh, patreon.com slash Podcast. If you are listening there, then um, thank you for supporting the Patreon and keeping the lights on that way. Um, So yes, we stream live on twitch we broadcast uh so we have new casts early on youtube we have mastered casts on soundcloud we have um all the instagrams all the facebook's all the twitter's all the social medias are in the description thank you for watching listening All podcast we couldn't do it without you take it easy i am coming for you